Hey everybody, welcome to episode 64 of Making It. I'm Bob Baggett, here with Jimmy DeResta. Hello everybody. And David Picciuto. Howdy, howdy. Howdy, howdy. Howdy, howdy. How you guys doing? Very good. I'm Productive good. week. Awesome. Yeah? Yeah. I'm good. I had a good Snapchat this week, if anybody was watching. Opened up the house this weekend and built a big giant flower pot. It was fun. Anybody nice. watching me on Snapchat? I don't watch Snapchat. I just, I don't know. <laughs> say, I don't watch Snapchat. I'm an adult. You could say that. <laughs> I mean, I'm not 14, so. <laughs> I, I saw that in your, was it your video or David Welder's video where I don't, I'm not on Twitter. I'm an adult. <laughs> yeah, that's my friend Bobby from Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were just having a laugh about just being stupid. You know, the, the only time I've ever pulled out Snapchat is in an airport. And I'm sitting there with nothing else to do, and I've gone, oh, yeah, I should check and see if Jimmy's done something on Snapchat. And those are the only times I've ever watched him. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Lately, we, I've been playing around a little bit with it. I'm trying to build a Snapchat audience, so I've been playing around with it more often. So if anybody's listening, they want to find me. It's my name. So this is the first week of spring, and you made a flower pot? Yeah. One of my, one of my clients, I've done a few things for a restaurant in the neighborhood. I made a 200-inch long flower pot. Sweet. And uh, I should, I didn't put up an Instagram picture of it yet, but I will do it for Friday. It's, um, yeah, it came out pretty good. He, he wanted like a flower pot slash bench. So I made it. I did not make a video of it because I just assumed it would be a boring build. And in the process of halfway through it, I came up with like 20 tricks. I wish I would have videotaped it, but. Well, now we're going to get a bunch of emails. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Yeah, we got we'll, enough comments last week about you making signs that you should learn. Yeah, I'm going to make flower pots from now everything. on. It's, it's funny. <laughs> I got comments on my videos, and I saw Bob got comments on his videos saying, please tell Jimmy to film the sign, which yeah. is hilarious. <laughs> yep. I, I got a couple of people said, please film the sign. Oh, the one. Oh, you know, it's so funny. I didn't even know what they meant, but now I understand what they meant. The sign that I didn't <laughs> film that I started yep. last yep. night. Yep. Oh, oh. Jimmy. <laughs> you didn't do it? Oh, oh man. No. I didn't. Well, I'm not. I, I'm only in the first phase, which is CNC. I can go back and reshoot that. So maybe I'll, maybe I will film it. Yes. Because it is different. It's basically the Tangeray sign that if anybody's ever seen my Tangeray sign I made about two years ago, it's exactly that, but done with some different materials. Sweet. So, yeah. I, I Now everyone keeps saying, film the sign. I didn't know what they meant. Now I realize it's that sign. <laughs> film the <laughs> so, sign. All right. All right. I'll film it. <laughs> By Friday, they'll be partially done. Nice. I'm sorry. I've turned my channel into a pen turning channel. Since <laughs> last Friday, I've released three pen turning videos. One was a tutorial on how to turn your first pen. And then the next one was I tried to see how fast I could turn a pen. And I turned one in 18 minutes. And then I kind of challenged anybody who else who wanted to do that, send me their video. And I had one guy turn a pen in seven minutes. What? Yeah, which is wow. crazy. And then just did he start? Did he start with a pen? It started. Yeah, he started with a pen. <laughs> Check this out. Ten seconds. <laughs> and then uh, just a couple minutes ago, I released a third pen turning video. I broke a stick, a dead branch off a tree, and turned <laughs> that into a mechanical pencil, which is the same technique as turning a pen. Oh, that's cool. And then uh, I also started making a, a handicap ramp for my dog. He's getting old. He has trouble going down the stairs to get outside which is only like three or four stairs. So it's a real simple project. And that should be out by the time this comes out. Nice. That's cute. You should make a really long uh, skinny skateboard for him to ride down the ramp. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a dog-shaped yeah. skateboard. Yes. A long board. 
Yeah. Actually, awesome. Considering we're brainstorming today, it would be fun if like you made like a little thing that's counterweighted and he'll step on it. And with his weight, it'll slowly go down just enough. Mm. And then when he gets off, it'll shoot back up at 100 miles an hour. Yeah, he's not having that. (laughs) (laughs) You could could give him like a little ski lift action to get back up the ramp. That'd be awesome. (laughs) That would be great. But you'd have to jump on it while it was moving. Well, he wears like that. Uh, he doesn't, when we take him for walks, he doesn't have a collar. It's the the body harness and it has mm-hmm. a little hook on the back. And so if he just positions himself just right, that, that ski lift will just hook him <laughs> and bring him back up into the house. And then keep him on the machine. It'll just keep going around and around. Yeah, around and around all day long. Maybe this isn't a good idea. <laughs> Maybe all right. not. All right. Next, next week we'll solve this problem. All right. <laughs> well, for me, um, I finished up my Lego table that I talked about last week. And uh, it, it turned out pretty good. I'm pretty happy with it. So that video will be out by the time this show goes out. And my wife took all of our kids to Florida last week because it was their spring break. And uh, kind of last minute, she decided to go visit some family. So they went down there. So I had several days uh, uninterrupted, you know, in the shop, in the house, just working. And it's funny, like, that sounds so, like, yes. You know, I get, nobody's going to bother me. I can work just work and get tons done. And then about, you know, halfway through the third day, I was like, I don't really want to work anymore. <laughs> I miss everybody. I miss everybody. And I've been working until like two o'clock in the morning for three days straight. And I want to go to bed. And, you know, um, it's funny though, because I, I kind of envisioned that I would be super productive and I was productive, but it just was different than I would have thought, you know, maybe 10 years ago, I would have stayed up all night and gotten tons and tons of stuff done, but just, I don't know. I'm old, I guess. No, it's funny. <laughs> it's I, I find like hours or two and three hours at a time where it's like I'm completely left alone and like I feel like that's a vacation. And, yeah. you know, I just like I'll take, okay, these next three hours, I know exactly what I'm going to do. And, you know, and I build like something from start to finish in those three hours. I feel like I've totally like escaped from reality. Hmm. That's kind of what I was expecting. You know, I mean, I was looking forward to having that big block of, of time and I made a list at the head of, at the beginning of it and said, like, what am I going to try to accomplish, you know, over these days? And just because I didn't want it to get away from me. Right. I didn't want to, like, waste the time. And I had a list. But then at the end of every day, I was just kind of like, what did I do with? I mean, I got some stuff done, but not as much. And I don't know if that's a condition of me just having too much to do and not feeling productive or if I was just, you know, I don't know. It was weird, hmm. but. Anyway, I did get a lot done. I started on the next project, which is um, going to be a quiz game thing for my kids. So basically, they each have a little box with an arcade button on the top. And so I can ask them questions or we could play trivia or whatever. And they can hit the button and when they want to answer. And whoever hits the button first, theirs lights up. So if they all hit it at the same time, it only lights up the first one. And then I have a, another box that they're all connected to that has an Arduino in it that's driving this whole thing. And it's got a reset button on it. So I can reset all the lights, you know. Um, so we could we could do like spelling bees or... That's amazing. I yeah. I mean, it's a really, it's a very simple project, but I think it'll be a fun thing to have yeah. around the house. That's cool. It's like Jeopardy where like if you don't chime in in time, you get locked out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. So that'll be fun. It'll be fun to see if they like actually want to use it in that way because they compete for everything (laughs) 
So it seems to me that this would be a good way for him to, to compete, but have a really clear winner. Like there's only one light that can turn on. So since we're brainstorming today, um, would it be interesting to have like the numbers right in front of their little podium that's, that they could actually, you know, dollar amounts that they win and then you have to pay them at the end of the game as the dad. <laughs> no, that's a horrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> Only put two zero slots. That's it. So the most oh, they okay. can win is $99. Just just put the, the symbol for cents right at the end of it so they can never get more. <laughs> no, I mean, there actually are a bunch of other, I mean, this isn't an original idea by me or anything. Um, there are some other ones that are a lot more complicated that have scoring um, and team scoring. Like There's a bunch of different ways to do that stuff and they'll have like LCD screens on them that will record the scores. And I think a lot of people use that for trivia nights, you know, like bars have a trivia night, things like that. And so people have made little kind of portable systems to do that same type of thing. But this one, you know, it was like only worth going so far with it. It's just for the kids to play around with. So, but yeah, that's what I've been doing. Yeah. Did I say what I was doing? I don't remember. I said I made a flower pot. Yep. But then uh, me and Dave have been working on the kindergarten stuff, which we're going to install some of it on uh, Thursday, so I'm just trying to get some stuff ready for Thursday. So I'm a little behind in my videos, but um, I guess I have a sign video coming up. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> you better. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a fun one. And uh, I still have my Witchblade 3. I haven't started yet. It's been on my list every week of things to start, but I just have so much uh, work, and then we open the house up, so I spent the whole weekend at the house. So um, I've been a little behind on my videos, but... That Witchblade 3 is becoming your arcade cabinet. I know, no, well, I know, I know, I know. But <clears throat> I got to I gotta have I gotta have build videos soon because me and Dave put up that ice pick video on my channel and I got like the most dislikes I've gotten in a long time, which is like somewhere around five or 600. But I got like several thousand likes, so it's not that bad. But when that little number increases, that's like the people getting mad that I haven't put up a build video soon. But I will I'm definitely going to put up a build video soon. You do what well, you want to do. No, yeah, that number is, yeah, it has nothing behind it that you can, like, clearly understand, so. I know. Oh, you guys will be happy I turned off my uh, my my messages. So now I only have, like, yes. 100 messages a day instead of 600 messages a day. <laughs> <laughs> they do go to my so, Gmail account, which occasionally I open up and look at, so. See, that's not any better. No, no, but, but it's not, like, not in between, like, client talk, so that's a good thing. You know, all go one oh, way yeah. and client talk all goes the other way, so. What yeah. we're talking about here is that Jimmy has had the email notifications for Everything. comments <laughs> turned on for his YouTube channel. So every time somebody comments on any of his videos, he was getting an email, yeah. which is part of why he had 47,000 unread emails <laughs> at one point. I get, you know, I get uh, on an average, I get about 500 comments a day on that many videos. And so it adds up. And then, you know, like I said, important emails are like filtered through all YouTube comments. So it's a pain in the, the rear end to try and find the important stuff. I yeah. sorted that out. I think well, every time we've all hung out together, we've all looked at Jimmy's phone just to see <laughs> what that badge number is. Yeah. Let's is it see. bigger? Is it, has it broken his phone yet? Because it's about to. <laughs> I'm opening my phone. Here we Let's go. <laughs> all right. Somebody want to read the number? Oh, my goodness. 73,449 <laughs> unread messages. Yep. Throw your, fin your phone out the window. <laughs> Just start over. Start over. But no, That's this is insane. So this is now. Look, you can see the breakdown here. You see Gmail. Gmail is like the most seventy thousand. And then my regular email, which is that one there, one hundred and sixty, one hundred and sixty-four emails today. 
Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> that's still a lot. It is. Yeah. Well, I got notifications for a couple things still, like Twitter and stuff. So, <laughs> I'll turn, turn off notification <laughs> emails right, on I'm, everything. I'm coming over, Jimmy. We're going to fix yeah. this. And that's just two. Did you guys notice I have like seven email accounts? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was just two of them. So yeah, that's I'll, probably part of the problem. But. <clears throat> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to introduce today's topic. We're going to each take another project to brainstorm that we're going to potentially do in the next upcoming video w- weeks or whatever projects we're going to build. And uh, Dave, you wanted to start it off, and I've already have some ideas based on what we discussed before we started, but Dave, tell us what you think you might want to do. So I want to make a guitar case for my custom-made guitar. And in, like any guitar case, it needs to be light. So I'm trying to figure out what materials to use. Uh, when I look at the guitar cases that I have, I see the edges are sewn. I want to see if I can get away from that somehow. Or maybe it's like fold over the the cloth or whatever I'm going to use inside and glue the pieces together. I'm, I'm not sure. I want to try to avoid sewing because it's, it's, I just don't have the tools for that yet, but I need to make it light and portable. I don't know if you guys have any ideas for that. Hmm. Well, I mean, all the guitar cases that I have, um, they kind of feel like really thick cardboard. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like a press board or something. Yeah. A lot of the cheap ones are cardboard. They're laminated. Well, but even some of the nicer ones. So I have a couple of cheap ones that are that, yeah, the, uh, kind of the Tyvek stuff, not Tyvek. What's the material? Uh, Tolex. Tolex. Yeah. Tolex. It's like Tolex over that really thin cardboard stuff. But then, um, one of mine, the Les Paul case, which is very curvy in shape, it still feels like cardboard, but it's super rigid. And then it has material glued onto the outside of it. So like a tweed. And then the inside is more of a plush, you know, I think it has some padding and like some velour stuff, but the actual case of it still feels like super rigid cardboard. I wonder if you could do uh, a material like cardboard, something that you could shape and cut pretty easily and bend and then soak it in something like a glue something to harden it oh. into a shape or like maybe fiberglass or something. I don't, I don't know. I, I There's a couple of ideas that, that I was thinking since we discussed this a minute ago. If you go to, you must have a guitar shop you go and hang out at, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we all have our own local guitar shop that we know of. If you went to a guitar shop and just asked them for a broken case, and then you could dissect it and see how it's made, you know, you could just do that. Uh, you could also make a square case. I used to have a Gibson Explorer that I gave to Matt years ago, but it was in a big square, like a big square Gibson box. So you could make like a square box, and that makes life a little bit easier if you're using thin plywood, like like a door skin. Did you guys ever buy a door skin? Everyone always asks me, mm-hmm. where do you get really thin plywood? And some lumber yards carry what's called a door skin. Okay. And it's like three layers of plywood. And it's no thicker than an eighth of an inch. And I always say, do you ever get mad at your girlfriend and punch a hole through the door? And then you realize you got to return the apartment back to normal. You could either buy a whole door or you could buy a door skin, which just puts one thin layer over a door. And that's why it's called a door skin, because it's meant to fix up a crummy interior door. But it's mm-hmm. just thin plywood. So what about corners? How how do you, how would you join corners? If I make it a square case, um, could I use? I, I've seen like the little um, I'm not sure the corner protectors. Yeah, I, I could use something like that to join everything together. You could do that, or you could like I mean, if you wanted to get fancy with it, you could make a really thin um, aluminum 
bead to go along the corner. Yeah, they make like a, you know, a like channel. A, it's like a corner channel. Yeah. An angle iron that's really tiny. Or if you were going to make it all out of wood, for instance, you were gonna, if you wanted to make a corner, you could make a, a beveled piece of wood. So you have your plywood comes into each other. So right at 45, or rather plywood, plywood coming together at a corner. And then inside, fill it with a, a 45 degree piece of wood. That say maybe like an inch. Yeah. You know. I was also thinking like the corners could just be joined with the, the outside and the interior cloth. So it's like it, it comes together, but it's only held together by the by the two pieces of material from the inside mm-hmm. and outside. So it's like it bends until it all forms into its final shape. Uh, are you hmm. are you gonna make a guitar case that actually wraps around the shape of the guitar? I th- I'm thinking more of like a rectangular shape. Oh, okay. Because you could you could take those corners and do like um like a West System epoxy with the mesh, which is similar to just doing it with fiberglass. So you could build up your corners with fiberglass mesh or uh, West West System epoxy, which is the stuff I use a lot, and they sell it with with a mesh, which is designed to go over the whole outside of say a canoe. But you could use it as your corner strength stuff. So you're kind of doing like a carbon fiber on the corners. Oh, I see. Yeah. You know. So you you wrap you you paint it on the corner put the mesh on it, then paint it again. You could even just glue it together with like wood glue or jade glue Mm -hmm. and then reinforce it with the mesh later. So you're not trying to glue two loose pieces of wood together. Right. You know what I'm saying? Or if you have like a tiny air nailer, like a 32 gauge air nailer or 20, is it 23 gauge? Or really tiny nails that I always use. Pin nail. Pin nail. You just nail it all together with glue, let it dry for a couple hours. And then if you were going to make a top and a bottom, I would do like a typical box construction where, you glue the whole entire thing together as a complete solid box and then table saw off the top. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. a perfect match. And then glue a lip right inside the bottom so that when the top comes down, it has something to rest on. I see, hmm. yeah. And then wrap the whole thing with fabric or whatever, you know. So treat it like I'm making just a, a small box, but a big yeah. box. Yeah. 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 And give yourself enough room so you could build up the walls inside a little bit. And like when I say enough room, I mean like an inch around like the most extreme widest part of the guitar. And then you could go get, like, did you see how I did my chest set recently where I made the inside pieces, mm-hmm. sat inside foam, but then I yeah. wrapped the whole foam with like a crushed velvet. So it just mushed into the shape of it. Yeah. You do that with the guitar shape too. Have you thought at all about um, making the shape or some condition of the, the case like totally new, totally out there? Or are you trying to make something kind of traditional as far as a... Well... I I kind of wanted to have like a cream colored retro vibe to it. So the the case think of like the the baby blue and cream vespas like those color mm-hmm. that, that kind of color combination. So the trim or whatever I do around the edges might be that that baby blue and to be honest I really have not thought about this project too much until hmm. we started to hit and record. Right. Well, because I, I was just thinking, you know, in that construction process, like if you're building a box, however you come up with those corners, see if maybe, and this is totally what you want the end product to be, but maybe you could see if you could take that same construction and then like change the actual shape of the box. Mm-hmm. So it's not just a big rectangle. You know, maybe you make it taper towards the headstock. Oh, yeah. Or maybe you make it, you know, taper around the, the butt end of the guitar so it's not just squared off. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff you could do that, that, you know, use basically the same construction, but they change the shape a little bit so that it's not just a big rectangle. Right, right. Unless you just want a big rectangle, you know, that's cool too. Now, there are some, um, 
interesting cases, which might be a cool challenge. And I think I know how Jimmy would do this. I'm curious. Um, so some of them are squared off on the in the long direction on the ends, but then sorry, on the on the short ends, but then the long ends are rounded over. Yeah, that was like that was just like my Gibson inch. Explorer case. Yeah, exactly the same way. Yeah, and maybe maybe all Gibson cases are like that. I'm not sure, but how would you, Jimmy, go about making that shape that rounded over? You know, probably an inch and a half round over or something. Yeah, like I would that. I would probably make that whole end out of like hardwood. And build it up. You know how you can make a profile on a table saw by just continuously passing it through? Mm-hmm. And then you go in with like kind of curved hand planes and scrapers to finish off that profile. You could make that long extruded end. Say if it's like a, you take like a three inch piece of wood and then scallop out the inside and then with a hand plane, scallop out the outside of the overside. So, I mean, it's just basically hand tool construction, but a lot of it is one way to do it. I was it. thinking maybe you would do, because I've seen you do some uh, bending before where you cut a whole bunch of slots mm-hmm. in something and then you bend it over. And oh, you, you could do that with plywood too. Yeah. That's not yeah, better. Something like a, a thin plywood and then you could bend over the corners and yeah. then still make kind of a box construction, but the yeah. corners. Epoxy. I think it could still be done with cardboard, but then uh-huh. you kind of. Laminate it. You laminate it or yeah, I guess that would work. I was going to say add just epoxy to it. Once you get the shape, throw some epoxy on there so it stays that shape, but laminating would work just as well. Another way to get that curved end, so if you're going to make the whole box look like a long extruded box so that it's kind of long and flat and then just the extreme outside ends are curved, another process is possibly if you're going to make the whole thing out of quarter-inch plywood, get PVC pipe and just chop PVC pipe up into quarters. You know, so you have a... Oh, yeah. And you could crazy glue or or epoxy glue it directly to the plywood. This Mm -hmm. is all, you know, under construction that would all get laminated with the vinyl that would cover it all. So Hmm. if you had that plastic on the outside... You could still drill all your hardware right into it and sand it and laminate it with whatever other materials you want to use. It'd be pretty resilient, too. It'd yeah. make a, a good case to have those plastic corners. Very hmm. cool. Interesting. And it needs to like shoot smoke out of one end and lights out of the other, so you can yeah. just like plop it down, and you get your light show, you got your smoke show, you can just play. That's a given. I've got to put a, okay. you gotta put a yeah. sign on it. <laughs> a light up like LED sign that like flickers when you that says in the David subway. Rocks. <laughs> well, I think what I will do is on the outside, like I'll, I'll carve maybe something out of aluminum on the CNC machine where it says like Pachuto and like a script font, hmm. like a you know, oh, like a car like, badge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's That'd cool. Awesome. And then you can have an arrow that points straight into a can that's on the sidewalk. So when you open it up, perfect. <laughs> it's so, like a neon yeah. light that goes. Yeah. So if this, if this YouTube thing doesn't work out, I can just be a street musician. That's right. The, yeah. The coolest case on the street. <laughs> hmm. Well, cool. Thanks, guys. I like yeah. that. So what I've been thinking about doing is I want to. I've been contemplating it, and I don't. I haven't drawn any sketches yet, but I've been contemplating doing a Sam Maloof style wooden chair with like all sexy joinery and stuff, and then taking the whole thing and then just grinding it into like a real sexy organic biomorphic continuous shape. And that's, that's, that's like a pretty involved project. I know for sure. And uh, it's something I've been wanting to do every once in a while. I got to kind of remind myself that I'm not just making knives or signs or stuff like that. And so every once in a while, I kind of think in terms of like a pretty semi-involved project and also every once in a while, I know we don't want to talk about YouTube too much today, but I want to, put like a pretty elaborate build on my channel just to remind my fans that I still know how to do stuff. 
instead of like make fun of things and make ice picks and stuff. <laughs> so <laughs> that's one of the projects that's kind of like a, you know, I say it, although I don't mean it totally. It's just for my own to differentiate my videos from my make videos and my core videos. I always like to call mine like sort of more epic. So they're a little bit more longer and a little bit more involved. Uh, like for instance, I did a video a couple, like a year ago with like a tool drawer that was all involved with these little small drawers, 45 drawers to be exact. So that was a sort of an epic build. So I want to do like a Sam Maloof style chair and I haven't picked out a wood. I mean, the first wood that comes to mind is like a walnut, but since it's such a specialized build, I might go to the hardwood place and just try and find some kind of bizarre weird wood with like some kind of bizarre sexy grain because it's going to be a predominant part of the design. So I haven't really thought about it, but it's going to be all bandsaw joinery, you know, bandsaw curves joined together and then like a real whole bunch of sanding and grinding <laughs> and carving and draw knives and all that other stuff. So that's yeah, what I've been thinking. The, what's the predominant like joinery? I see, I'm looking at a bunch of different samples here and I don't know which ones are actually his and which ones are inspired by him, but I see <laughs> a lot of like, I see some finger joint type things, like really long fingers. I see some doweling. What's mm -hmm. the predominant? Well, I mean, I'm thinking, uh, you know, whatever my style chair will be. I uh, I have some images in my mind, but again, I haven't drawn a sketch yet. But I don't want to do a rocker. I want to do a chair that sits on all fours because I mm. see it sitting upstate. And um, I have a lot of animals and cats, so I hate rocking over cats' tails. They don't like that. So <laughs> I would probably just do like a four-legged chair. And... I'm thinking of like kind of like a little bit thicker round, something that'll hug your back. So as far as the joinery goes, I'm going to have to kind of design it into part of what you see when you sand, when you sand all the, where all these pieces of wood come together and you sand into it, what is the lines that are left behind? What is that going to look like? And so these are all things yeah. that I got to, I can design into what I want to make. You can create that, that contrast of like Sam made these chairs sort of by hand you know with a bandsaw but it has that like handmade look because of all the curves you could introduce the domino into there and create that that tension of like handmade with new technology that's and definitely that true and it give me a reason to buy the xl which is something i've been thinking about getting yeah the domino xl which is the big one and plus Ooh. that will stir up the comments as well yeah <laughs> did you guys see when i did a video a couple months ago where i showed the the, the dominoes were exposed mm -hmm. yeah so maybe I could do that. I thought that looked really cool. I mean, it was a, it was a nice detail. I Thank thought. you. I mean, I didn't know if I was thinking of it as an original idea or not, but once I put it up there, a few people said they had seen it on like, there's a couple of Festool conversation mm. sites and some people said they, they've seen it before, but I just mm. did it honestly out of sheer laziness because when you try a domino joint, like seven things in and seven things that way and things partially built, it occurred to me to just glue it all together and just domino joint through the whole thing and you'd be able to just get it and nail it literally. Oh, put the domino it, in afterwards. Yeah, because then yeah. It's, everything's joined up. It's already glued together and then you, the domino just gives it that much extra strength. Mm -hmm. So I did it out of like sheer laziness, but I knew that it would have a, an interesting aesthetic. So, And I actually, when it very first happened, uh, I, I mentioned it in, my, in that video I talked about. I, I had it set too deep, so I was, trying, I was making a set of drawers, and I poked through the side, and it occurred to me, like, oh, I could put these dominoes in after I glue it together, but I didn't have an opportunity to use that idea until I made that tool drawer that I was talking about. Which, by the way, my tool drawer in my Core 77 video, I'm having my friend Ryan do a fully exploded 
SketchUp plan mm. for it. So, I, what I wanted to ask you guys, and you could answer to the whole audience, if I can, I put a SketchUp file for download on my my website, and can people download it and then go into the SketchUp and rearrange it? You yeah. can. You might want to zip it up into a zip file first, right? Because some browsers might reject it because it's an unknown file, right? And then uh, you come in. As a former web developer, you have to be prepared for people who will download the file and say they can't open it. Yep. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, and they'll go so. like, it won't open in my web browser. Why not? Well, because you need SketchUp. It's a SketchUp file. Right. Well, I'll offer that in PDFs too, stills of it. Yeah. But we could talk about that so, after. But yeah, so um, go ahead. I'm looking at the like wood types. You know, I'm, I'm just, I Googled Sam Maloof just to see what all was around. And it looks like most of the chairs are out of a single wood type. And you were talking about going to find, you know, a really interesting grain. Mm -hmm. Have you thought about mixing, like, really contrasting woods or maybe doing some sort of crazy lamination that you then, mm -hmm. you know, no, shape I, down No, I haven't. That's something actually like that? something to think about. It, I do want to do a curved back. So if I could, like, laminate, like, curved parts, too. Hmm. You know, not necessarily like a, <clears throat> what do they call those vintage chairs? Those, like, bow back chairs? Not like that, but I want to maybe do... What my inspiration, as far as a shape goes, and I, and I, I haven't been able to articulate it, but it just kind of came to me, is you ever see like when you sit in an old courthouse, those old chairs that kind of wrap oh, your back a little bit, yeah, I, yeah I, you know, like old courthouse them. chair, like the ones that are like at the, the lawyering yeah. tables, that kind of style, that kind of nineteen forties office furniture. It's kind of what hmm. I'm picturing, but you know, with a with a sexy organic flair to it. I don't know if you guys can see this. This is my acoustic guitar. And the neck is made up of like 50 pieces of laminate. You see that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can oh, wow. see it. And then it looks like on, grain. Yeah. And then on the sides, because the head tapers, you see the, kind of like the exposed edges of it. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. And it's a really cool effect. And because of all the laminations, it's going to, it's, it'll last forever. It's not going to move at all. Yeah. Oh, that's a good huh. idea. And then you end so, up with like a nice grain pattern, like a natural grain pattern cut into the curves. Right. Yeah. yeah, it might be interesting, like these pieces that you're going to end up shaping out, you know, if you start with some, maybe maybe not like tons of lamination like that, where you have a bunch of different stripes, but maybe you take two contrasting pieces of wood, laminate them into a single beam, and then you shape out of that. So yeah. as the shape changes, you yeah. know, you're exposing different amounts of light or dark wood or yeah. something like that. Look like zebra. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Or I could take like old newspapers and laminate them together and build the whole Sam Maloof style chair out of like old newspapers and joinery. <laughs> mm, I've seen sculptures done like that. Yeah, it'd be like a lot of resin, but it might be fun. That's crazy. Hmm. Huh. Now I'm thinking. Mm, now you're thinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now you're cooking with gas. Like no, that. that's a good idea. Like if I, if I was able to find, hmm, be interesting too. Oh, you know what I just got this week and I did it, I talked about it on my Snapchat. I got piano legs for an old piano. Four, you know, typically pianos have uh, three legs. This was four matching legs. It must have been some kind of weird, like, harpsichord or something. I got it at the antique store. Four beautiful Victorian legs. They're probably 100 years old. And I'm going to use those as bed legs. I might end up getting oh, nice. a, a, I'm talking to the mat, one of these mattress companies to maybe do a video. But either way, whether I get their endorsement or not, I'm going to definitely make a bed video and I'm going to incorporate these crazy four antique legs. Hmm. It's going to be interesting. So that gets back to kind of the curviness. It's another inspiration subconsciously that I was, wasn't aware of till just now. These legs are really cool. They look like 
they look like big Victorian lion legs that have been like squished into the ground and then like the bottom exploded and curled back up. Oh, nice. Yeah, they're really cool. I don't even have a picture of them to show you. I, I did a Snapchat of it and that was it. I never took a still. Did you buy them looking for bed legs or did you come up with the bed idea after seeing the legs? I, I saw the legs and then said, what can I make with these? And I'm like, oh, they're only like 17 inches tall so I can make a bed with them. It's uh, It would make for a little bit of a weird high bed, but I'd be able to get the dog out from underneath it easier. Because <laughs> right now, my one of my Yorkies runs underneath stuff, and I can't get her. She runs under like the dresser, which is like four inches from the bottom of the ground. But the um, there's this crazy place I call it. Uh, it's near my house in Coxsackie, upstate. Coxsackie, that's the name of a town. I'm not saying a dirty word. Coxsackie Antique Center. And so I go to there from time to time, and they have this probably 70 booths of all different hmm. dealers. So each one of the dealers has their own personal preference of stuff. And me and Taylor go there all the time to buy things and get ideas. So we went this afternoon, uh, this uh, Sunday afternoon, just to kill time and collect ideas. And we both ended up spending hundreds of dollars on things to potentially make furniture with. So it was That's fun. fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I haven't been to a, sh- a place like that in a long time. You like, know what I inspired really me? to a good flea market. Dave, you know, I go there in the past, but when you recently went to the flea market and you went some antiquing, hmm. it reminded me to go up to Coxsackie Antique Center this weekend. I just, I think my favorite thing about going into these old antique stores is just looking at things and remembering things from my childhood, mm-hmm. right? And then I go in there without knowing what I'm going to get, but just letting the place inspire me, just like your bed legs. Yeah. You know, you buy them and, and figure out what to do with it. On that same day, I went into an antique store, a different one, a little small one, and they had the G.I. Joe. Now, you guys are probably too young. Do you remember the G.I. Joe to compete with the $6 million man came out with like a bionic arm and a bionic leg? No. Did you guys mm. know that? No. So, this is the big 12-inch G.I. Joe? Yeah. Yeah. And he had, he had the eye. from the, it's, So they stole a couple things from the Kung Fu grip G.I. Joe, which is even earlier. Had the Kung Fu grip hands. And he had the eye, which you'd kind of, if it was a sunny day, you could put the finger over the top of his head and his eye would blink. He had like a little <laughs> periscope light tube in his eye. So you could like send a single 10 feet away to the other nice. G.I. Joe. So you tap on the top of his head and the light in his eye would go on and off. <laughs> and, he, and he had a bionic arm that when you turn this thing on his forearm, his hand would spin. And then when in mm. his leg, his arm was clear plastic with all kinds of metal in it. And his leg was clear plastic with all kinds of metal in it. And I think that was the G.I. Joe to compete with the $6 million man in like 1977, 78. <laughs> and so Taylor said, oh, you had one of those when you were a kid? I said, this is exactly the same one I had. And then there was a guy next to me who looked like he was 80 years old. He goes, I had that when I was a kid too. And I just immediately said, either you look really old or you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so I looked at Taylor and we left him like, do I look as old as that guy? He had the same thing I had at the same age, supposedly. That's funny. <laughs> I just like, remembered my, my Skeletor. The, yeah. I, you punch it in the chest and the thing flipped and then yeah. his chest was dented. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, see what I had. I'm 10 years older than you guys almost. I had a Pulsar. Do you guys remember Pulsar? I don't think so. Pulsar, Pulsar was a character of a toy that was just a toy. It was never a TV show or anything. And you push on Pulsar's chest and blood would flow through his heart. The whole front of his chest was all clear plastic. And he's like a real handsome action figure doll. But when you tore open his like sports coat, his whole chest was made in clear plastic with wires <laughs> running through it or tubes. And you pushed on his chest and blood would flow through the tubes. Oh, wow. It's called wow. Pulsar. It was like an ancillary character, I think, to G.I. Joe. Is that what inspired your your, your gushy balls? Or Pro- you know, probably, <laughs> you know, in a roundabout way. 
is one of those things. You know, in my TEDx talk that I did, I talk about all these different things leading to like a bottom line ultimately. And I never thought about it till now, but it certainly could have been one of those seeds planted. Hmm. Huh. There was a couple of other more conscious things that led to it, but that certainly was something from my childhood. So bottom line is it's good to walk through the antique shop. And uh, I wasn't thinking of the Sam Maloof project when I was walking through the antique shop, but now in hindsight, these piano legs are definitely part of that inspiration now that I'm conscious of it. So, That's awesome. That yeah, sounds so. like I need to go find a good uh, antique mall to go through. Yeah. yeah, they're good. I mean, we always stop at them no matter what. Not, and then it's not, and it's not necessarily just to always buy stuff. It's just to look for, it's for that exact same reason, Dave, that you're talking about. Like, oh, remember this? Oh my God, this meant so much to me at a point in time. And then your blood starts flowing and you start thinking, oh, what was cool about this? And then you incorporate that into some future design somehow, some way, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's really just to, it's really just to like pat the bushes in my, in my brain mm-hmm. most often or, or go shopping with your eyes is what my friend used to always say. Instead of go shopping with your wallet, go shopping with your eyes. I like that. Yeah. So I cool. like the idea, I, you know, coming out of this brainstorm, uh, I like the idea of laminating stuff together, whether it's different color plies or just different objects, but that's definitely going to be part of this design. So that was good. Nice. Cool. Well, I've got a couple um, that are, not, I don't know that they're like really things I'm going to do, but they're on my list of things that I haven't really thought through yet. So... Um, actually, yeah, we got plenty of time. All right, so one is about me, is an idea that I want to do, but the other two I think could be good for all three of us, and I think it's something we all should talk about for our own sake. So for me, um, and this is more of just like a thing that I haven't really thought through the process yet, I was watching, imagine this, Star Wars a while back, um, and in the first one, there's a scene near the beginning where they're in this kind of meeting room in the Death Star, and Darth Vader walks in and all the guys are sitting around the table, this big, huge table in this big, huge room. And the chairs that they're sitting in are these really awesome bent wood, but they're all black. So they don't, you don't see any wood grain or anything, but they're bent wood chairs. And so the back, you know, curves down where you sit, but then it curves up into a single piece into kind of a straight back. And then the two corners of that top of the back go to a point. And then when they come down towards the center of the chair, there's a cutout. So it's just a very interesting kind of sharp, evil-looking chair is the, design. Is the cutout of a heart? <laughs> yeah, it's a big <laughs> thumbs up. Um, <clears throat> thumbs down for the... Go, Empire! <laughs> but when I saw that, I was like, oh, man, that would be cool. One, because it would be like kind of a prop replica of something that n- probably nobody else has ever made from a movie, which is something I've been looking for. But also just because it's like a bent wood chair with a steel, like a chrome base... And I've never been, I have been through the process of having something chromed, but not for the sake of a project. It was like guitar parts. So that would be kind of cool to, you know, make the metal base to have it chromed, but then to do this bent wood chair back. But the thing I don't know, and I've never really researched there is like, how do you build the form and handle the, the drying process or the vacuum process or whatever to make a really big you know, I mean, front to back, this thing is probably, uh, of the single piece of wood, it's probably four and a half, five feet long, and then 24 inches wide or something to be cut down to shape. You know, so how do you how do you form something of that size? I've seen a lot of, like, if you watch some Ray and Charles Eames documentaries or go through photos, they kind of started the uh, bent lamination revolution 
and there's you could see like they, they cut out these forms and there's holes in them and then there's there's a bunch of like hand turned clamps like all all around it's really hard to explain but maybe i can hmm. find a picture and 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 show you they they had the same problem and they had to figure out how to create these these big laminations you uh, uh bob you you did the skateboard recently you know like about six yeah. months ago you made the skateboard so just think in terms of that but obviously bigger some of these presses i happen to see a book on bent lamination furniture recently and there's huge presses i mean some of this tooling is really involved so maybe you um kind of scale it down a little bit and think in terms of you know instead of like a concave bend just a straight bend if you did a concave bend that's where you would need a lot of pressure to kind of conform all those laminates and then when you laminate stuff too you also laminate a lot more than you need because then you trim it back right because your edges are always going to you probably did that with the skateboard too yeah yeah. your edges always get a little wonky but think in terms of just bending it i'm showing you on camera a a little pile of uh, my note cards if you bent it like that just one bend that's a lot easier than trying to make you know a bend that has concave structure to it so i I, maybe um if you were going to do it the 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 largest part of this build would be building the form. And you could, if you've ever seen how a canoe is built, uh, like the canoe that, that Nick made and the, the video that I made, um, you build, you build a basic, a big skeleton and you, you form the, the strips on that skeleton. So if you made a skeleton of the negative shape of the chair, either the outside or the inside negative shape, you could laminate into that. But you also have to figure out a, a whole system of clamping things into place and pushing it. And instead of trying to laminate, say, five or seven plies at one time, on a smaller scale, it might be easy to laminate one at a time, two at a time, you know, in, in consecutive drying times. So you have one drying time, two drying times, three drying times. Hmm. Just, just a thought. Um, yeah. You know, it, it might also help to make a, a small scale version of it. That might solve a lot of problems instead of jumping right into a big one. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, yeah, I think the clamping, you know, because with the skateboard, I did a vacuum press yeah. and that's strong enough to a point. But then once you get, you know, to big enough bends or a big enough form, you can't really, I can't do that anymore. Actually, I'm so, going to, uh, the video suggestion I make this week um, is uh, a fan of mine from Russia who's got a great channel. And uh, he, his last video, he uses a big giant vacuum bag. He's got like a, oh, really? a table size vacuum thing. It's like, uh, this guy's got incredible amounts of tools. And he, and he writes me emails and says that you know, I inspired him. He's got more tools than I will probably ever have. And he's got more room than I will ever have. And I don't know what he did before he started watching my YouTube videos, because he certainly knows what he's doing now. <laughs> I mean, he, he kind of claims that he got started because of me. But I watched one of his videos today, and it was this huge vacuum thing he utilizes in the video. It's incredible. Hmm. It's like a big, giant rubber table that like clamps things down with a vacuum table. So that's the kind of thing you could use... And uh, you would lay like the seat, you know, the the part that your butt would be on face down on the table. So you'd end up with like a vacuum table like this kind of thing. Yeah. So this negative space here from the back of the bend to the table that you might have your form on is only about 17, 18 inches. And then your seat and your back would taper down to the table that has the vacuum bag over. Yeah, I think without the bag, though, because I don't think it's realistic to, you know, invest in all that stuff to do one thing. But you could probably do it in a bag. A big one. If you had a big enough bag, yeah. yeah which is but I'm wondering if, like, what the 
the clamping mechanism would be to be able to clamp. Obviously, you could clamp along the edge of things pretty easily, but once mm-hmm. you get into a, you know, a twenty-four or thirty-inch wide thing that you're trying to form, like how do you clamp the inside panels of that really consistently all the way down? I don't know. You, you could build a box. I mean, this is obviously there's a lot of work involved, but you could build a big like two by four, four by four box, and then bang wedges. You know, oh. you know what I'm saying? If you have four yeah. inside that box, you could bang wedges against the frame so that things start getting pushed together. Huh. And, you, and, you know, instead of, you're thinking in terms of putting like a big C-clamp over everything. Yeah. Build a big, like a halo around the whole thing and then hammer wedges into the halo to compress where you want to compress. So far. Huh. That's cool. You could avoid lamination completely and kind of build it kind of like how a vase turner makes segments where they just kind of build out the, part that's going to be carved and then take an angle grinder with like an Arbortech blade and carve away the shape too. That's a really good idea too. Oh yeah. Hmm. But if you take a like plywood, plywood's uh, like profile of the chair and glue them together, you know, one next to another. And -hmm. if that shape consecutively changes slowly, you can get the concave and convex shape. Oh, I see what you mean. Wow. Yeah, that would be, and then you have the lines <laughs> of the plywood going straight up and down. Yeah. In fact, huh. somebody sent me a really cool tweet. It was a Vimeo video, and I actually watched it, even though it was on Vimeo, of <laughs> this cabinet that, like, you pull one piece of it, and the whole thing goes, and it yeah, pinches I've open, and then you close it, and it goes, and closes. It's like a big snake-like square that turns into this big sexy curve. Now, imagine if those shapes were glued together in the shape you wanted, your chair. Right. Huh. So, a lot to think okay. about. Yeah, yeah, I'll have to consider that some more. Um, okay, well, real quick, let's run through the other. Well, let's just do one of them. So, and this is, I think, for us and for maybe every, a lot of other people who make videos. How can we use a CNC in a way that's interesting in a video? To make a sign. <laughs> <laughs> oh, never that's mind. a horrible idea. <laughs> Nobody would watch that. I thought that the mic video. was off. I'm sorry. What I try to, I don't have, I don't try to do full CNC videos where maybe I'll incorporate a a piece that's CNC'd into a larger project. And to me, that's more interesting than watching a a bit just spin around for 20 minutes. I have a big CNC project coming up right now. I have a really big CNC project. I have some interesting solves. I mean, I could talk a little bit about it, but but Bob, you go ahead. What were you going to say? Well, I was just going to say, I, I, that's the way I approach it too. But it's one of those tools that like, I, I like using it when I use it. But every time I use it, I, th- I don't know. It, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of wrestling with how I want to use that and keep it in my workflow or not keep it in my workflow or whatever. Well, that's, uh, that's what, uh, uh, Dave, you touched on a little bit where it's like you want to use it, but you want it to be a piece of something that's more interesting on the whole. And uh, actually the sign video that I made recently for Greenlight, I actually started bandsawing all those letters out <clears throat> off camera, well, rather on camera. The video started out with me bandsawing the letters, and then when the letters got smaller and smaller, it became more difficult for me to cut. And I'm like, what am I doing? Let me just go to the CNC. You know, I'm trying to be a hero here on the bandsaw. And when I went to the CNC, I, I just did the most interesting collection of images that I could try and do. I kept it quick and sweet, and I tried to also show a couple of real key tips that somebody who would CNC would look at that and go, oh, I would never thought to do that. And 
so I actually got an interesting video out of it. I got perfect letter forms, which prior to that, I was bandsawing them out of plexiglass. And I'm like, what am I doing? This is a clean, perfect logo. It deserves a clean, perfect cutout. And so that's why I literally scrapped, you know, about an hour's worth of video and all the letters that I hand cut, jumped to the CNC within an hour. I had all my letters done. Perfect mm-hmm. shape. A really like, good, good start to a sign. I like the idea of it being part of a story. So yeah. you have you have a problem and this solves the problem, which is part of the bigger story, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, no. So what I'm, I'm going to be making for Core 77, I have it all designed. I haven't started shooting yet. I'm making panels for my friends. She wants to separate a room in her apartment. So I'm, I'm going to make 30 by 70 inch panels, four of them on the CNC machine. That's only 18 by 24. I'm going to have to tile the concept together. And the concept she wanted CNC'd into it works with the idea of tiling these images together. It's like a repetitive pattern of a butterfly, a bunch of butterflies laying down. So I could take one piece of that wallpapered image and flip flop it in every direction. And the design just keeps growing. Hmm. So I'm going to make 24 CNC panels and glue them all together into four bigger panels. So each one's going to have six in it. So, uh, and I, and I've already designed, I'm sure it's going to work, but I've designed a couple of things in theory to make that workflow go quicker. So I'm not literally CNCing 24 pounds. I'm going to stack them up together and cut them a few at a time. So hmm. that'll make using a CNC semi-interesting, I think. There's also, I've seen a lot of comments of people who don't own a CNC saying, oh, well, anybody can just draw something up on a computer and have a machine cut it out. And those people don't understand, or they might not realize that there's a lot more to it. So you could educate a little bit more on bit selection. Bit selection is pretty confusing because there's up spiral, down spiral, there's fluted and whatever. Uh, You could talk about the types of uh, materials that are involved and what it takes to actually design something to get it to the CNC. So it's just to kind of show that it's a little bit more than a computer doing all the work. And you know what I, easy. what I want to do to make yeah. a CNC video interesting is get somebody's grandmother in and actually see if she can do it. Because I get a lot of comments. My grandmother could do that, do something interesting <laughs> and get someone's real grandmother in there and watch her break a bit, get frustrated, <laughs> throw the sign across the room and then leave and go, your grandmother can't do this. <laughs> and that'll be the end of my CNC video. That's a great title for the video too. Your grandmother yeah. can't do this. Now I argued yes. with a guy in the comments. I said, he said, my grandmother could do this. I said, no, she can't because she does not have the experience to be able to combat the various nuances that are confronted with holding the material in place, dealing with which speeds and feeds to choose, which bits to use, how deep, you know, a million parameters to, to have some understanding of. Mm-hmm. And yeah. every time you do a CNC cutout, you learn more about what you didn't know last time. Yeah, for sure. So that's one of those things. Like I want, I don't want to push it aside because it seems too easy. But from the outside, I mean, I, I totally agree with what you guys are saying. It's like one of those things I want to use when it's useful and when it makes sense to use. But I also want to figure out a way to make it interesting to watch. And you know what I mean? It's just mm-hmm. like, well, Bob, so I'll throw something things. at you. Throw just to, to throw like a curveball in the CNC. Imagine if you had to CNC something and then flip it over and CNC it again. What kind of interesting patterns could you get if you did that? So mm. there, there you go. That's making CNC interesting. Mm. Wow. I saw, and that just reminded me, and I don't remember who did it, uh, but they made 
what is it called where you set out like a, a, a hot plate on like a trivet? Yep. Is that yeah. what it is? So they CNC'd like four lines going this way halfway through the wood, flipped it over, and four lines going the other way, and it made this really awesome, cool-looking pattern. Right? Oh, yeah, now but- imagine if you seed and seed like hundreds of loops, hundreds of rings, flipped it over, and then did a hundred more rings that overlap those rings. So now nice. you'd have like all these different rings connected together. You'd have like a mat or whatever it would I'd end up being. A spirograph type thing. Yeah. Something mm-hmm. that I have in my notes, and I, I don't know if I should tell anybody this because I don't want somebody to beat me to this, but I have the iPad Pro and I have the Apple Pencil. I've been wanting to put the pencil into the CNC and have it draw on the iPad Pro. <laughs> and then that's, and you know, whatever I design is then digitally made by a CNC machine. No, nah, that's cool. Mm, crazy. I see a broken iPad in your future. <laughs> Believe and me. the whole thing comes to life yeah. and takes over your shot. Believe me, there will be many, many tests before I put that piece of glass underneath there. <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right. Well, um, yeah, let's wrap that up. What have you guys been watching? So there is this channel called Prince E. I, it's Prince E-A. I think you pronounce it E. I'm not sure. But this guy just in front of a camera and he's kind of like a a poet and has nothing but positive messages. And it's just really inspiring short little videos to watch. Set to awesome music. I just love watching it. Is he he's the guy great- that did a video about trolls a couple years ago? Yeah, the haters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was good. He's, it's, it just makes you feel good when you watch him. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, I have a fan in, in Russia who's who's actually, I talked about him. He, he's he been inspired by me, but he's incredibly talented and he's incredibly capable and his shop is insane. And I have no idea how to say any of the things that are written because it's all written in Russian. But uh, WL86 is his website and we'll put a link in uh, the notes for his YouTube channel. It's all in Russian and he talks in Russian, but a lot of his videos are more like mine where he doesn't speak but you can see what's going on. There's lots of cool projects going on, a lot of experimentation, and some. And he's a really talented craftsman. So, and uh, he texted me. He we we emailed this week, and he emailed me his name, but I'm not even about to try and pronounce what it says. <laughs> so, take a look and tell him if you do subscribe. Tell him you came from me. He deserves it. He's a he's a really good guy and craftsman. Cool. Nice. Um. So I got two. Well, one is just kind of a thank you. And you've talked about um, welding tips and tricks. Yep. Several times. And is one of those things where like, yeah, I should get around to watching some of his videos. Jody, right? That's his name, Jody. I feel like I should get around to watching that. And I never, yep. I've been subcri- subscribed for a long time, but it's one of those things I just never made time to do. Well, finally, the other night while I was here by myself, I was like, I'm going to sit down and watch a 20 minute welding video. And yeah. Just do it. And yep. I did. And it was so helpful. And man, I should have done that a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. He's, and he's he, just such a nice guy. He's like a great, he's like a great human being. I mean, you could very, email him. And he answers questions and he's just such a nice guy. He seems just very matter of fact about like, yeah. just this is how things work and this is how you should do it and this is yeah. how you shouldn't do it. And he's it. It a certified kind of welding teacher. I mean, that's what he does. He's, yeah. a, he's a teacher for an airline. He, I don't know if he still is, but that's, he was, he would teach people how to weld for, that made airplanes. So nice. I mean, he knows what he's talking about. So that, that's just kind of a thank you to him and for you uh, for recommending it. Oh, cool. But the real one is uh, Smarter Every Day. We've talked about Smarter mm-hmm. Every Day before, right? Yep. His newest video is called Mind Blowing Magic Magnets. Have you not seen this video? Mm-hmm. It's crazy to me. It blows my mind. 
<laughs> well, it's mind blowing. I guess that makes sense. It, it's about um, this new kind of magnet that this company is is working made or I don't know where they can they can design the polarity of a magnet. So it's not just like the top is north and the bottom is south. Like they can actually put both of those poles on the same face and they can make designs with opposite polarity right next to each other. And there's which doesn't sound like it would. OK, cool. What is that? But they show you examples of how it can be used to make mechanisms that otherwise just aren't really possible. It's amazing. And it, it just seems like one of those things that can really change a lot of stuff that we use on a regular basis. You know, watching, when it gets commercialized and stuff. But I'm watching anyway, them now. Be sure to go check that out. It's pretty awesome. Really cool. Um, yeah, I guess that's probably it for this week. Uh, I want to say thanks to our Patreon supporters real quick. Um, Luis Gonzalez, John Cornwell, Dominic DeFino, Elijah Taylor, and Make, Build, Modify. That's what his name is. I don't know what his actual name is, but we'll find out. Um, yeah, so thanks to them and everybody else from Patreon to, for helping us out. Oh, and Jeremy White. Sorry, I missed Jeremy White. And uh, if you guys want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash making it and help us out. Or just share the show, leave us comments, send us emails, that stuff. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Um, and if you have things you want to hear us talk about, tweet those at us. That's the best way to do it. Let us know. Yeah, let us know. We like to talk. <laughs> so. Cool. Well, uh, thanks, guys. That's it for this week, I guess. You know what I was thinking? What were you thinking? I was thinking we should make a shirt. You know what it should say on the shirt? What? I love you. <laughs>